Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Lead Your Life podcast. I'm so glad you're here today. It has been quite a week. We have just ended um, not an election night, but an election week here in the U.S., and oh my gosh, what a whirlwind. I can honestly admit that I did not get much done this last week because I was glued to the TV waiting for the results and just... Uh, they seem to take forever, but I will tell you, I I know that 50% of the country voted one way and 50% of the country voted the other way, and I'm not sure where you stand on politics, and I'm not going to go there, but here's what I will say. Last night, watching Kamala Harris introduce the new president, Joe Biden, was amazing. I sat next to my daughter with tears streaming down my face because it was so phenomenal to see a woman standing on that stage. And how incredible to have a woman of color standing on that stage, a woman of Indian descent. Oh, so powerful. So, so powerful. And what also deeply struck me is when she addressed the children of our country. And she said, dream with ambition, lead with conviction, and see yourself in a way that others might not see you simply because they've never seen it before. And so I ask you as you listen to this episode, how can you stretch yourself? What are places that you can't imagine yourself, but you want to go? And maybe just because you haven't seen a woman there, or haven't seen a woman of color there, or maybe you haven't seen a gay woman in that spot, where are you going to push yourself to go where you've been afraid to go? And the great thing about what Kamala did last night, she really acknowledged Joe Biden for reaching out and having the courage, the audacity, and the boldness to choose her for that role, which is what great leaders do. Leaders will always be bold and do the right thing, even if it's not the popular thing. Which is why I'm so glad to have my guest on the show today, Maria Cordova. Maria is a self-proclaimed people and culture geek. She has 15 years of experience as an HR practitioner, and she founded Humanage HR in 2014. Maria differentiates herself by providing specialized and customized HR solutions to small and mid-sized businesses that she addresses on a very strategic level. She's not just doing payroll. She's not just your HR consultant. She's really working with small and medium-sized businesses on strategy that help drive change from the inside out. They help strengthen culture. They improve employee experience. And the result of all that work is optimized business performance, which is what every business owner is looking for. So I know I introed with the election results and kind of where we're at right now, but it's such a great segue into today's episode because today's episode is all about leading with empathy, which I think our country has needed for a very long time, the last four years to be exact. And Maria is going to be talking about how to lead with empathy when you're a leader 
of a small or medium-sized business or in a corporation, and you're also struggling. So how do you kind of keep it together for your team when your team's having a hard time keeping everything together? How do you keep it together for yourself? Maria is going to talk about rituals and habits, as well as how your own personal self-care is really a part of being an empathetic leader. So as you listen to the episode, I really invite you to think about how can I make more time for self-care for myself this week so I can show up as a better leader at work, as a better leader to my family, as a better leader to my community, and to my friends. So with that being said, let's dive in and listen to the episode with Maria Cordova talking about leading with empathy. Welcome to the Lead Your Life podcast. I'm your host, Natalie Barron. I'm obsessed with helping people feel more connected to themselves, the people they love, their work, and their purpose. I'm a leadership coach, speaker, self-improvement junkie, wife, mom of two teenagers, and 30-year corporate career woman turned entrepreneur. This podcast will give you the tools, insights, and real honest conversations that will help you lead your life so you can love your life. Let's dive in. Maria, I'm so glad you're here today to be on the podcast and share such important information with my guests. So thank you for being here. Thanks for having me. Of course, of course. I would love it if you could get started by sharing a little bit about you and your background and how you got started in your career as an HR consultant. Yeah, so I started, I actually started out as an executive assistant. I was supporting a chief legal officer for a firm in downtown LA. And in addition to my admin support responsibilities, she started coaching me in human resources, slowly but surely giving me some, adding some responsibilities onto my plate. And it kind of started out with small things like new hire onboarding. Then I started helping out with responding to unemployment claims and policy development. I helped her create a harassment um, harassment prevention training and things like that. And I, I really found that I enjoyed it. So I started studying it. I started attending some HR-related workshops. And this was all while I was earning my undergrad in business administration. And then from there, I went to go work at a startup in Santa Monica, where I, I was really able to get free reign and help them create their you know, their culture, their core values, their everything, mission structures and their policies. I was given a lot of freedom to create probably more than I should have been so early on in my career. Uh, but, uh, but that was a lot of fun. And I was then uh, obtaining my, I was in the MBA program at that point. And since then, after that, I worked for two other mid-sized companies in LA uh, my last HR job was VP of HR for a real estate firm. And then my fiance accepted a job up in the North Bay and we, my now husband, we were engaged then. And we thought, why not? Let's start a new adventure. Let's, I've always lived in LA my entire life. So we moved up to the North Bay and that's where I started my, my consulting firm. And so that was seven years ago already, which is pretty wild to think. It's time has flight, but I really enjoyed, you know, my life as a consultant. Uh, we, we relocated back to LA 
about two and a half years ago. And so now I have clients both in the North Bay and here in Southern California. And, you know, kind of what inspired me to start my firm is that while I was in-house HR for these, always for a small to mid-sized organization, I learned that there was a real need for HR guidance and support. It was something that often overlooked or took the back seat to say sales and marketing. And oftentimes only until after the company found themselves in some kind of unfortunate situation or they start thinking, hey, you know what? Maybe we do need HR. We need to be thinking about these things now. So I know firsthand what challenges small companies face. And I know that implementing best practices can make all the difference in a company's success. So now my firm, I work with small mid-sized businesses and generate HR strategies that really drive change from the inside out and strengthen culture, you know, improve, improve that employee experience and focus on optimizing um, the business's success. So, yeah. Yeah, Maria, your, your services are obviously so, so needed. You know, myself coming from a large corporation, you know, we know what an important part HR plays within the organization. And like you're saying, most small to medium-sized companies, um, you know, they'll, they'll get some assistance with hiring, but then that's kind of where it, where they leave it. Right. And then, um, they're not having the proper training. They're not potentially having, um, I mean, everything right from sexual harassment to leadership training, um, as well as employment practices, unemployment and compliance and, and all of that. So, Could you speak to maybe some of the specific services that you, um, if you were to initiate an engagement with a smaller, medium-sized company, you know, what would be some of the first things that you would do and and what are the portfolio specifically of what you offer from a service perspective? Great question. So usually where I start is we'll start with really an introductory and exploratory call or meeting and mostly now Zoom meetings (laughs) with the pandemic, but We'll, we'll really talk about where's the company now, how many employees do they have, where are they located, what are some of the challenges that they're having with their employees, whether it's retention or uh, productivity, or maybe there's some toxic conflict in, in teams. So we're really exploring together to find out what, where the, what their pain points are and where some of their gaps are and where I can help them. So that's where we kind of assess and identify what their needs are. And sometimes if they've never had any kind of HR support before, or they haven't been really working with an employment law attorney very heavily in all their practices, sometimes we'll start with uh, from a compliance standpoint. What, what I mean by that is just making sure all of our practices are compliant with California law. We all know that California is its own animal. It's a very religious state. It's, there's landmines everywhere and you get in trouble for the things that you don't know that you don't know. And so a lot of times we'll start there. We'll, we'll do sort of like a quasi HR audit and, and figure out where there might be some exposure that we need to mitigate there. And then from there, we'll start looking at culture and, you know, what do we need to change about how people are onboarded and welcomed into the organization? Or how, how do we need to look at how we're actually managing people's performance? Or to your point, Natalie, what you said earlier, like leadership development is really, really important. Are we just promoting supervisors into leading people for the first time without giving them any kind of support or training where they have no idea how to interact or 
lead people effectively or have those difficult conversations. So those are kind of just an example of the types of things that we look at to try to make it a workplace that people actually look forward to coming into and feel like they can really contribute and be creative and take risks and bring them bring, bring themselves to work as their whole selves, like be themselves at work and uh, and are valued in that way. So, you know, Maria, what, what you're saying and the service that you're offering is so vitally important, especially for small business owners, because, you know, small business owners get into the business because they have a product or a service that they absolutely love. They're not necessarily looking for the business side of it because they want to run the business side of it. And so the, the value, and I know this because you and I have had this conversation, the value that you really bring in is you're really that right-hand woman that comes in and offers so much support in such a vital area um, that really keeps employees engaged, keeps the business you know, in compliance. Um, and you take so much of that load off of the small business owner. So um, I just, I love what you do. I think it's so needed and uh, we, we, more businesses need to hire you for sure. Um, so obviously, you know, businesses have a lot of challenges anyway. And then COVID brings this whole other layer of complexity to the business. And it's really the topic that we're going to be talking today, which I know you're passionate about, is leading with empathy. And so as an HR consultant, can you share with us, Maria, um, what are you seeing companies and individuals go through through this pandemic? Oh, uh, <laughs> uh, I'm seeing businesses since March having to pivot and get creative to remain relevant. Things like restaurants and bakeries switching to takeout only or outside dining, office environments that normally collaborated in person, you know, they're now discovering virtual collaboration, many for the first time. So I'm seeing, uh, on the positive side, I'm seeing folks learning new skills, right? A lot of folks learning new skills and their resilience really being tested. Uh, This is a really difficult time for for everybody. Uh, Early in the pandemic, a lot of my clients had to do layoffs. So I have a San Francisco client, for example, that had to lay off about 150 people, some who had been with them for over 20 years. And they've only been able to bring back about a fourth of those so far. Some were able to bring back all or most after the PPP loans got approved, but a lot of a lot of folks had difficulty returning people once they got their PPP, depending on how people were being paid, because a lot of folks actually employees ended up making more with that additional 600 right um, for unemployment than they were at their job so I had a few clients saying that they that people were just telling them I I'm not I'm, I don't want to come back I'm, I'm making more with the 600 right now I'm not ready to come back so that was tough and I have had since then now some employers returning folks to the workplace uh, who had gone totally remote. Uh, some of them have asked only those employees who want to return, you know, if you want to come in, you feel safe coming in, come in. Otherwise, you can continue working remotely. Others have moved to make, say, staggered shifts where they're on site 50% of the time, for example, and still working from home 50% of the time. They're really having to implement some some pretty involved COVID safety plans that are all also 
like ever changing because the guidance from the CDC and California Department of Public Health and local agencies, there it's changing. What we know about this virus is changing. And so what employers need to be aware of around what to do when somebody gets sick or exposure in the workplace and how long folks should quarantine is changing as well. So that's something I'm helping a lot of clients with right now. And then a lot of employers also having to engage with people who are seeking accommodations for disabilities. So those with high and high risk categories, for example, underlying health conditions that are a lot more susceptible to the virus. So that's another thing I'm seeing a lot of uh, employees uh, with underlying health conditions and anxiety. Anxiety is a big thing that we're seeing now. So we're seeing a lot of people uh, coming forward to their employers saying, you know, I, this is, this, the thought of me coming back to work is causing me so much anxiety that it's affecting my mental health. And we're, we're even getting doctor's notes from some people saying this is rising to the level of a disability and, and, you know, having them return to work could, could really negatively impact their, place their mental health at risk. And so we're having to have these conversations. It's a little bit more in the gray area because it's, we may not be getting an answer from healthcare providers about when people can safely come back if they can't come in this anxiety because we don't know well, when, when, is, when really is COVID going to be, when are we going to go quote unquote back to normal really? Nobody really knows. Yeah. So, so Maria, you're bringing up so many, I mean, I had thought about a lot of those points, but actually some of them I hadn't thought about, right. Um, about people seeking accommodations, um, and, and needing that during, during this crisis. And, you know, when we talk about leading with empathy, so whether you're working with a small business owner, medium-sized business owner, what has COVID changed and what is needed in leadership right now? Because there's so many people that are listening to this podcast that are leaders, whether they're in large organizations or whether they're, you know, small or medium-sized business owners. And we hear, right, that the employees are struggling, but it also puts a, a, a lot of burden on leadership um, to, to navigate these complex situations and the pandemic, as well as still producing business results. So what do you feel is the most important thing that's needed in leadership right now? Yeah, it's, People are under a great amount of stress, and that includes business owners, employees, and and leadership people in leadership positions. The pandemic has, I think, changed what people value and what they believe matters. And when you're faced with your own potential mortality, it kind of shifts what you see and view as important. And people, by nature, crave human connection, right? And that's something that many people are missing. And the pandemic also has further exposed, we can't ignore this, it's further exposed social and racial inequities, particularly those that are the most impacted by COVID have been Black, Black and Indigenous folks. And so leadership is having to show up in ways for people that they never had to before. Uh, they're having difficult conversations with people. They're finding that they have to be more vulnerable themselves. You know, people are seeing to their homes, they're talking about their own stress and maybe the children or the parents they're caring for. And they're getting vulnerable in ways that probably they've been historically uncomfortable with. Uh, 
they not only have to focus on keeping the business profitable, and when I say they, I mean leaders, but they have to focus on how to also keep their employees engaged and productive. This is a lot on their plate. And this is all while maintaining their own, you know, hope, positivity, mental health with the cloud of uncertainty that that is, you know, uh, been looming over us for really most of the 2020. So it's uh, there's a lot going on and there's a lot on the leadership plate right now. Yeah. And so how are you advising leaders? Um, do you have any specific tools or strategies for my listeners who are leaders or business owners to kind of navigate this complex environment right now? I believe that that, that what leaders should be thinking about most right now is, and I'll kind of list these out, because there's quite a, quite a few things. Um, uh, open communication trust and accountability. And that also means holding themselves accountable. And then transparency about the state of the business. Talk to and talking to employees about challenges, changes, you know, opportunities, sharing growth or 2021 plans with them so that they know and they feel like they're a part of what's happening. It's not something that's happening to them or that they're finding out after it's already happened. Um, and then inclusivity, equity, and diversity uh, of, of people, voices, and ideas is, is at the top of the list there. Uh, development and growth opportunity for folks. And even if even if budgets had to be cut, how else can uh, can we offer development opportunities for people? And vulnerability and empathy, which I know that's a theme here that we're going to be digging into more, but that's vulnerability and empathy is um, really important to be thinking about right now and being open to. And then providing opportunities to stay connected and to, to maintain company culture and and also thinking about flexibility for, for people because everybody's in a different environment at home. Some, some people have children, some people are working on their kitchen table with distractions. You know, there is a level of flexibility that's required right now. Uh, so that's something to be thinking about. And I think that some ways that leadership, even though it sounds like a long list, right, a long to-do list, um, there's ways that, that to approach this that I think could make it maybe not so daunting. I think that creating routines and traditions are a really good way to accomplish these things. So, for example, creating routine team meetings creating routine one-on-one meetings with, with your team, um, including those working remotely to keep people connected and sharing information, and routine feedback groups, some kind of maybe pulse surveys. There's a lot of apps out there for that to gauge what employees are needing. Where are they? What do they need? Where, where do we need to focus our energy? And traditions like celebrating small wins, you know, rewarding employees, for who live by our core values and traditions that amplify voices of, of the marginalized and provide growth opportunities, traditions that honor and recognize diversity and inclusion, like say, celebrating Indigenous Peoples Day instead of Columbus Day, um, celebrating and, and or honoring Juneteenth and MLK, and National Coming Out Day or Transgender Day of Remembrance, you know, after 
all your routines and practices and traditions shape and mold your culture. So how are you thinking of it in terms of routines and traditions? Yeah, those are, Maria, I love everything that you shared. And it's such a great, robust list. And I really want to kind of start back up at the top where you talk about open communication. You know, I think it really feeds the rest of the entire list, right? And and like you said, I think there are a lot of uh, leaders that maybe in the past, they've relied more on control and authority. And this changing environment has absolutely changed the dynamic. They are needing to level up their communication skills, have more uncomfortable conversations that maybe they weren't having before. Um, whereas maybe family and work were very separate in the past. You know, now family is a part of work because kids are running around in the background or people have to take breaks to uh, help a second grader with their class, you know, log into Zoom and and all of that. So, I mean, so much has changed. And like I said, I mean, I think the silver lining is, I think as employers are seen, you know, we are holistic people. We're not just, we just don't go to work and then we're a different person at home. I mean, it's really integrating our whole home and family life all at once, right? So um, I think the the silver lining is, is that we're all kind of being seen more holistically as, you know, moms and teachers, you know, and workers and all of it. I mean, we're that one person. And I think that's the reality of COVID. And I love what you said about, you know, creating routines and traditions. And do you have any thoughts about uh, routine one-on-ones? And I want to come back to that as well, because um, I think in the past, a lot of old leadership styles have been, that one-on-one has been to check up on your results. What are you doing today? How are things progressing? Um, So can you maybe speak a little bit about how that one-on-one meeting needs to change in COVID? I love that question. I think that, and that's very true. Uh, approaching it from that human standpoint, like you said, we're we're seeing each other differently now in a different light. We're seeing the whole person, and so approach it that way. I think I think to use your words, Natalie, approach it that way. Approach it that this is a whole person that you're talking to. They've got a lot of other things going on too, um, just like you do. So maybe just start with, how are you doing? You know. How, what, how can I support you? Or, you know, maybe what are some challenges or what are some things you want to work on this week? And maybe just start with small talk at first, if that's something that, that works for that employee, you know, um, share some funny stories, share Netflix shows that you're watching, share what you did over the weekends. I think just approach it, you know, from, from a, from a human standpoint. Yeah. And I also love the idea of having separate one-on-ones for maybe check-ins and results. And maybe the results are, maybe the results are spoken about in a team meeting and maybe the one-on-ones are solely used just for personal check-ins. How are you doing this week? How are the kids doing in school? Um, Just like you said, that real human approach and just that connection point that like you said, we crave human connection. We're not in offices. We're not on teams. We're not able just to pop into someone's cubicle and have a casual conversation. So being more intentional about those check-ins, I think is really important. I also love that you bring up because it's so true. And, you know, uh, not that the pandemic has brought this to a head, but I think they've both come to a head at the same time. 
which is the social and racial injustice in our country. And I know a lot of leaders are very uncomfortable having these conversations, not necessarily because they don't want to. I think they have good intentions. I think they don't always know where to start or what to say. So I love your recommendation of, you know, hey, start out by celebrating maybe some holidays and traditions that you might not have celebrated in the past as a company. Do you have any other specific recommendations for um, managers who are wanting to really be a better leader in this area, but are maybe um, haven't had exposure or don't have the tools to know what to do, you know, to support their, their black and indigenous employees, their LGBTQ employees. Um, so do you have any specific recommendations there? Yeah, I think they should start with their own learning and unlearning. If they're particularly, if they're not a part of the BIPOC community, black indigenous or people of color, um, they need to start with their educating themselves and unpacking their, you know, unpacking their own, um, biases, racism, white supremacy, I think that they need to educate themselves and, and, and do that by seeking perhaps coaching or training in that area, reading books, there's tons of podcasts and books out there available to them, and engaging in conversation with their employees. Again, it is uncomfortable, but I think that uh, being comfortable with getting uncomfortable is the only way you're going to approach that. And listening to your, listening to your, you know, your employees, what their needs are, what their thoughts are, and don't be afraid of making mistakes. And when you are corrected by somebody in a position to correct you um, about those views, then listen and accept that and apologize when you make a mistake, recognize it. And take a look at that. I love, I love that advice because I really do think that sometimes uh, when we're venturing into any new area as a leader, we think we need to have all the answers. And I think it's really okay as a leader to just say, I don't have all the answers. I'm trying and I'm working in this area. I'm doing my own education. That's something that I've learned through this process. I, I did a previous podcast on racism. And one of the things I learned from my guest is that it really is the responsibility of the leader. It's the responsibility as a white woman, as a white male, to take the ownership on for the education piece of it. So we need to not be relying on our employees uh, to educate us. We need to take the ownership. We need to be proactive. We need to uh, read the books. There's plenty of information out there if you seek it. And we really need to take the first step, knowing that that shows so much to the people that we're managing of like, hey, I may not get it perfect, but I really am trying. Do you have any thoughts or feedback? Yes, I'm going to keep trying. Um, And I'm not perfect and I don't know it all. And that is an important way to approach it. And again, that requires vulnerability, right? And empathy and understanding and compassion. So. Yeah, so you you mentioned um, really, which I think is the culmination of everything we're talking about, Maria, which is leading with empathy. What does that look like and how can leaders apply it on an everyday basis? I feel like we've spoken about some of it, but do you have any thoughts about 
really this core principle of leading with empathy? Yeah, I think the first thing we should do is understand the difference between sympathy and empathy because I think they get confused a lot. So, So sympathy involves, and this is, I'm not using like definitions, but it overall involves feeling, feeling sorry for somebody saying things like, wow, you know, poor Susie. I'm so glad that's not me. Um, empathy involves putting yourself in someone else's predicament and identifying with it and saying things like that must be so difficult, Susie. I hear you. I see your pain and I'm here with you and I'm here for you. There's a really good illustrated short by Brené Brown. I Brené Brown. Brown. Yes. Brené Brown as a coach. Right. Brené Brown, and she has a great short. I think it's literally called Empathy versus Sympathy. You can YouTube it. And she does a really good job of highlighting the difference between sympathy and empathy and, and, and demonstrating that. So I'm by no means an expert in empathy. I'm not going to claim to be an expert in empathy, but I've done a lot of research on it. I read quite a bit about it. And I talk about it in my work with leaders. Empathy is a muscle that we all need to train and keep flexing for it to actually work. And I do run into resistance or just, just, I think, the narrative or the viewpoint that thinking about empathy in the workplace means that it's touchy-feely. It's sort of this woo-woo practice that's going to get in the way of leaders being able to make tough decisions about employees like discipline or termination. But that's really not what that is. Um, the thing is that many, many studies show that humans are hardwired for empathy. Having empathy is actually, and gives us an advantage that helps humans in their interactions with others, helps in relationship building. And those are things that really help move a business forward. So I'm so glad you brought this up. And I, I completely agree with you. I love the example that you gave about sympathy versus empathy. Um, we will, if you don't mind sending me the link, um, or I can find it, but we'll put the, we'll put the link to the Brene Brown short in the show notes. So people can, uh, reference that for their own use. So I want to play devil's advocate because you brought it up. And I think a lot of people listening may have the same feeling. So I want to bring it up, um, so we can talk through it and work through it. What you brought up is if the concern for any leader whether they own their own business or whether they're a leader in an organization, a a large organization. If I show too much empathy, that means I get too close to my employees. And how do I kind of be friendly and be empathetic? And if there are, like you said, um, either performance, uh, performance results aren't coming in, I need to basically, you know, have a disciplinary talk with my employees, then how, how do I basically kind of cross that line? So it feels really uncomfortable. Like if I'm too friendly, I'm not going to give it the results that I need as a business leader. How do you respond to that? It's really interesting if you start digging into performance management and giving feedback, it's all coming from a very subjective place. How else can we give feedback if not from our own perceptions, perspectives, narratives, beliefs? It's very difficult to give, quote unquote, objective feedback. So all we can really do is come from a place of, here's what I'm noticing. Here's what I'm seeing. 
what what are you saying or what are the issues? So if you're seeing somebody's performance is sliding, say you think that they're falling off or your their numbers are going down if it's measurable, or you see them as not participating in meetings and kind of staring off into space and not being present. Uh, instead of coming to them and saying, this is insubordinate, this is unacceptable, you will you will pay attention, you will be productive, and this is how, I think it's better to come from the place of, here's what I'm seeing. This is, this is maybe not consistent with what I've seen from you in the past. Like, wh- let's talk about what's going on. Let's talk about how we can turn that corner. Um, but this is what I'm noticing. I'm noticing you not paying attention. I'm noticing your numbers, your sales numbers are slipping. Like what is happening and how can we get you back up and, and involve them in that process? Because after all, it's, it's, it's their, it's their own decision. It's their own success. You know, it's, it's, you cannot motivate somebody alone to want to be successful or want to be engaged. So I, I would say involve them in that, in that process. Yeah. I think Maria, I think that's such great feedback and, you know, and especially, especially, especially during COVID because we don't know what's going on with people. I mean, by this point in COVID, I mean, we're at the end of October. I know so many people that have either had it or have passed away from it at this point. And so the person staring off into space off of, in a Zoom call could have just lost their aunt or their mother or their grandmother uh, due to COVID. They could be, you know, their kid could be failing in school because they're not doing well on Zoom. I mean, you have no idea what people are struggling with, especially now. So I love, you know, just checking in with people like, hey, I'm, I'm noticing your performance is slipping. I'm noticing that you you, you might seem a little distracted during meetings, you know, like what's going on? And that person, you know, maybe they need a day off. Maybe they need some support. Maybe they need someone to help them with their workload for a a short period of time so they can get through whatever they're going through. And that employee with that support coming back into the workplace from a, you know, full out hundred percent perspective oh my gosh, you have an employee, you have a rave, not even an employee, you have a raving fan at that point. You have someone that is going to be so productive and and committed to your business. And and you have somebody who they have, they can trust you and is going to be honest with you. It's also going to be honest if it's none of the things you were just talking about and it really is that you're just feeling stagnant in their career and they need a change. And that's going to help them realize that and it's going to help them be honest with you to say, I think I need to, move on or I need to go explore something else. Um, And that's okay. (laughs) At least they're not there with you, you know, just completely disengaged and not willing to come forward and say anything about it. So. So you brought up an important point earlier and I want to talk about it. Um, There is a lot of pressure on organizations as well as business leaders uh, in small companies. You know, they're trying to manage staying afloat, they're trying to manage, you know, the bottom line. They're trying to manage not going out of business. And there could be employees who are feeling stagnant, um, that they're not getting the growth opportunities that they had hoped for, that maybe they're not getting the professional development that they either were getting in the past or they were hoping to get as maybe a new employee in the organization. And you had talked about, uh, you had mentioned that maybe there were some creative ways that employees or employers could work together 
with their employees to um, kind of find some creative ways to address professional development. Do you have any thoughts on that or any ideas? Yeah, I think that that should be incorporated into the performance performance management process. I think that performance management, this old school kind of approach of just let me rate you and let me tell you how you've done in this past year, again, subjective, is having it do be a two-way conversation. And, you know, I'm working with a couple organizations right now. I'm creating even in small organizations where there's not a lot of upward mobility, but there is maybe some lateral growth or uh, different phases of, of positions that you could move up or laterally into and just creating a path for them to figure out, okay, these are the things that we would need to see demonstrated from you to get there. And where do you want to go? Like, what direction do you want to go in the company or in, in, in your career? So I think involving them to be active participants and really take ownership of their own growth and development and supporting mm-hmm. that, them in that growth is, is key. I, I agree, Maria. That's great. You had mentioned this earlier in the podcast about, you know, leaders having to take care of everything. They're trying to keep the business afloat. They're trying to keep their employees engaged. And meanwhile, leaders are also going through COVID. Leaders are also having to deal with, you know, being a teacher and, you know, and a parent and doing laundry and everything else that they have on their plate. So what do you say to the business owner or leader who is trying to help the company stay afloat, lift up their employees, but they are personally exhausted and worn down themselves because they're also having to deal with the stresses of COVID? Oh my gosh. Uh, (laughs) Self-care. That's something I think we all need to remember. It's so, so, so important right now. You have to do you. You cannot like lose focus of your own physical, mental, spiritual, if that applies, and, and mental health needs. You're if you're experiencing burnout, you know, you've got to give yourself a break, talk to somebody, change your routine, practice meditation, take a bubble bath, dance, paint, whatever, whatever you need, um, because you can't give your best unless you're taking care of yourself, like first and foremost. So that might require it sounds easier said than done when you're running a business, especially if you're running it independently. Uh, You've got to be able to lean on those that you can trust, whether it's those in your business or in your personal life. So with a lot of leaders I work with, there's challenges with letting go. And I think sometimes you just got to be able to let some things go and ask for help when you need it. And to do that, you have to be able to trust others to really have your back and take care of things if you need a break. So I think that's why being proactive and setting up systems in your organization for people to share knowledge, information, you know, openly communicate is so important because it allows, it allows the organization to be more nimble and switch gears and pivot. And when leaders are exhausted then and they need a break, then others in the organization can step up because they have the tools they need to keep things running in their absence. But yeah, self-care. Let's gotta take care of yourself. Yeah. I I love that, Maria. Thank you for sharing. And I, I completely agree. And it's something that I'm talking to my listeners about all the time. So we've talked a lot about empathy as a leader. And I know empathy is super important to you as an HR consultant. 
and a big part of, you know, your, the value that you bring to the organizations you work with in helping them um, adopt a, a leadership model that includes empathy and, and really is use, uses that as its baseline. One of the questions I have is, if you could envision a world without empathy, what would that look like to you? Scary. We're so, this year has really kind of uh, unveiled a lot of truths that already existed. And I think though that we're also, for a lot of reasons, we're very polarized. And I think to some, it does feel like a lot of folks don't have empathy. So I think a world with that empathy is scary, dangerous, harmful. Yeah, I don't it's uh, probably the thing of nightmares. I don't think I would really want to live in, in, in that world. It's already tough enough as it is. Yeah. I think that, again, it's a muscle to exercise. And I think that there's some ways that, that leaders can apply that, you know, routinely every day that, that maybe don't feel so out of reach. Yeah. And I love it because you've shared all of that on the podcast today. You've talked about open communication and, you know, establishing routines and traditions and, you know, having one-on-one check-ins with your, with your associates and really, you know, leading with empathy. That's, I, I was so glad to have you on the podcast today to talk about this because it is so it's, it's important all the time, but it's especially important in today's environment with a layer of COVID, a layer of social and racial injustice in this world. Um, It's absolutely vital. And that's why I had you on the podcast. Uh, You do such a great job of this in the organizations that you work with. And um, and I'm just really grateful that you've been here and and able to share so much with my listeners. Yeah, me too. Can I just share a a few other kind of nuggets that come to mind? I was going to ask you your last thought. Yeah. Yes. So I think that... uh, sort of three ways that that leaders can maybe start by thinking about, okay, how can I exercise that empathy muscle is I would start with uh, listening, storytelling, and modeling integrity. I think listening, just starting by listening, listen to your employees, listen to needs, challenges. It's not always as easy as it sounds, but it does involve validating someone's experiences and recognizing that those experiences are unique and maybe different from our own, and that's okay. And then storytelling, I was just listening to a really interesting podcast. Um, it's a podcast that's actually called Leading with Empathy. I just found it the other day. Oh, wow. And um, there was there's a 15-minute uh, podcast on there uh, called, uh, or, or series, called uh, Stories. And the stories are the key to building empathy. And it's a really interesting. It says a lot in, in just 15 minutes, but stories help us learn about others, identify with, you know, pre-existing biases. It helps us connect our differences and help us find empathy in places that we didn't think we'd find. And so um, storytelling, us t- us telling stories, us being vulnerable and being honest and open and listening to other stories is a great way to do it. And it's a great way for, for learning too, is like storytelling. So yeah, I think there's a lot of podcasts out there. There's a lot of books. Um, Maybe if I can throw a couple out there just, and maybe we can share them. Yeah. 
Absolutely. Yeah. Well, Sharon, yeah. You know, let's share them here now on the podcast and we'll also put them in the show notes. As okay. Well. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of, I mean, there's a lot of, if you just Google empathy, there's a lot of books on them, but a couple that I think would be a good start would be um, Daring Greatly by Brené Brown. Uh, I love that book. By yeah. Yeah. And then there's a book which called actually called Empathy um, by Roman. And I don't know how to pronounce his last name. So uh, Krasnarek, I think it's Roman Krasnarek. Um, it's called Empathy. Okay. Uh, and then a war, The War for Kindness uh, by uh, Jamil Zaki. I think it's a really good book. And then there's just a, a lot of podcasts out there. Everything from I was listening to one just this morning on radical empathy, where the host interviews his parents about their views on race and political polarization in America. It was really interesting. Uh, but there's yeah, there's a lot of uh, podcasts on empathy and leading with empathy. So perfect. I would love to put that specific. We'll put all the book resources, and I would love to put that specific yeah. um, podcast that you're speaking about too in the show notes as well. So um, you know, I, I really appreciate you being here, Maria. You've offered my listeners you know, not only just the, the overall vision of what empathy looks like in, in organizations, but you've also given them very specific tools and resources to walk away with from the podcast today, um, which is exactly what people need, uh, during this time they need help. They need, they need support. And I am so grateful that you were here today to offer that. And thank you for being here. Thank you. It was so fun, Natalie. Thanks for having me. It was great. Thanks, Maria. Have a great day. You too. Thank you so much for being here today and listening to the Lead Your Life podcast. My invitation to you is that you do one thing today to move toward a more meaningful, fulfilling life for yourself. Today, you have the opportunity to challenge your mindset or have a meaningful conversation or take one action step towards your goals. So what are you waiting for? It would mean the world to me if you would subscribe and leave a review wherever you are listening to this podcast. I look forward to connecting with you next week. Until then, don't wait till tomorrow. Be your best self now.